Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan. As we're breaking down the weekend that was at Darlington Raceway, this throwback weekend, the NASCAR, much racing NASCAR Cup Series, and the NASCAR Xfinity Series as well. Eric Jones with the victory lane in the Cup Series event, his second career win. Of course, you had uh, Cole Custer in victory lane at Darlington after Denny Hamlin was uh, found illegal at the end of the race. We'll discuss that as well. Now it's 788 That is the number to call here tonight. Anytime you want to discuss anything from the weekend at Darlington, we'll also dive into a little bit of, of uh, news today. I guess it wasn't news, but it was a story that kind of caught a lot of people's um, eyes about possibly moving the throwback weekend to another racetrack. I have my theory. I think where it's going to go, um, and we'll discuss that later on in the show as well. So if you want to stick around for that, that would be great. 917-889-8280, that is the number to call. First of all, guys, uh, let's discuss the Bojangles Southern 500 at Darlington. It was throwback weekend, a lot of good throwback cars, but it was Eric Jones in victory lane. He held off Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush at the end of that race. Kyle Bush was actually running second, was doing very well. Um, it looked like a, at times that Bush was going to chase down his teammate Jones, but he couldn't do it. Hit the outside wall with about three laps to go, um, and was able to nurse it home to a third place finish. Uh, another good run for Kyle Larson, and uh, that, that's a promising. Continues his promising run here over the last ten weeks for Kyle Larson. We'll discuss that in a little bit. But first, Philip, I want to talk about Eric Jones. His victory here, his second career win, obviously one Daytona in July a year ago. Um, he got off to a little bit of a rocky start this year, and it was funny because, you know, for a little while there, there was kind of some head scratching about Eric Jones saying, "Well, he better pick it up if you don't, if you don't pick it up, um, it's going to be a tough time for him." Well, he's really picked it up. I remember right after Michigan State that these next ten races are the best finish of his career. He was 18th in points at that time, 18th in points at Michigan, and outside the playoffs, and he sits 11th now. With the victory uh, at Darlington, he's really turned around. You know, third at Kentucky, third at Loudoun, second at Pocono, fourth at Watkins Glen. Uh, led some laps at Bristol before he had, he had an issue there. But uh, the win at Darlington, Jones has really picked it up here during the last second half of, of this season. Um, and what do you think this win does for him and, and his team? I mean, Toyota seems to really have it going on right now. Uh, we see Benedetto run, even running good. Uh, Danny Hamlin's been the man lately. Kyle Busch is running well. And Truex is running well. Um, what do you think this does for Eric Jones, if anything? Do you think this is just sort of a quote-unquote fluke win? Or is this going to give this 20 team some momentum and uh, and build on and see if they can, you know, gain some points and get into the playoffs and really make some damage, uh, make a dent in the playoffs? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that this win for that Jones boy is uh, the great Ken Squire uh, named him a couple of years ago in this race. Considering that at Bristol before D Benedetto uh, passed him, he, and when he hit the wall, Jones had a chance to win that race. And that was the second time in three years. He had a chance to win that race late and made a mistake. It was traffic and Kyle Busch also helped in 17, but I honestly think that he needed to respond in this spot. And not only did he respond, uh, his crew chief, that that pit crew, did a really good job. They basically won that race on pit road, and then Eric Jones was able to hold 
you know, Larson off, Kyle Busch, et cetera, et cetera. It's a big deal for that organization, for him, for the 20 team, considering that the whole Chris Bell deal now went away. And literally since that, that went away, uh, I think he's been a little more uh, relaxed and he's been a little more um, uh, free to kind of drive the way that he knows he can and, and live up to the potential. And I think this win is a precursor of probably a very good performance here in this playoff. Uh, I was thinking about it earlier, actually. And I'm like, if he can continue on the path that he's been on his last few months, I, it could, it is, I don't think it's inconceivable that the final four at home in the final homestead, you know, uh, finale in the Ford 400 will be all Toyotas. I don't think that's out of the realm. Um, is it, is it kind of out there? Yeah. But the fact is the other three guys have been performing more or less the whole entire season. Uh, the 11 has been on a, he's having the best year he's had since 2010. Kyle Busch is the regular season champion. So he's almost, it's almost a guarantee that he's going to get there. Martin Truex can do, switch it on basically when he needs to. It wasn't his greatest night. Um, he had some, he pitted and he still came back with a 15th, but you know, that, that, the, that group is the best team at the 550 package by far. And so I think Eric Jones, this might be the start of something. And it's Brad showed that you could get hot late and give yourself a chance at least to go a couple of rounds. And that's what Eric Jones is at least trying to put himself in position to do, get to those first two rounds. And then that's where the real battle starts. That's where you really have to earn it when you get to the elite eight. Yeah, it really is. And, and uh, you know, getting so close to the playoffs and having this momentum is a good thing. And uh, Jones has really picked it up here recently. I'm, I've been impressed with him. But I'll tell you another guy I've been impressed with. Um, and when you think about where he was after Talladega, 10 races into this season, Kyle Larson was 21st in points. And since then, he's been really – he's really turned his season around. It didn't really show until – Chicago in that second place run to Alex Bowman, but since then he's finished second at Chicago, 20th at Daytona, that's Daytona, fourth at Kentucky, 33rd allowed in the men, fifth, eighth, third, sixth, and second for Kyle Larson. Uh, he's really picked it up here. He's now ninth in the standings. Uh, Spencer, it's been a, a sort of a world of two seasons, and I think what's been funny about this package is it was so, it's so much different than what we've seen in the past. It, it's just it's just a different style of racing, um, and I think there were some drivers and teams who were in the old school mentality and the older mentality where they sort of ran good early on in the year, but now almost and, and there were some teams that really struggled early on in the year. Now it's sort of flipped where you have some teams running really good and some teams struggling. You see uh, the Stuart Haas cars are struggling a little bit with Boyer and Suarez. Jimmy Johnson still really hasn't found it. But Kyle Larson has. What do you think has been the biggest difference over there at that 42 car? And do you think he has an opportunity now? He hasn't won a race in over two years since 2017 that Kyle Larson won a race. But do you think he's got an opportunity to ride off the final finishes and get and make some noise in these playoffs? Because 
he's really picked it up as of late. Yeah, absolutely. He's got uh, a lot of momentum, and momentum's huge. And, you know, I I noticed the difference in his season at Dover. I forget where he finished, but he had a solid finish, and he goes, I feel like this is our turning point. And you mentioned Chicago, um, where he damn near won the race with Bowman, and um, Bowman just had a fast car there at the end. But, I mean, you keep picking off these second and thirds and fourths, you know, that state, and if you run well on the stages, that's stage points, and then uh, then you'll get a lot of points, you know, finishing that high at the end of the race. And, um, you know, and those finishes can very well get you through the playoffs. You necessarily don't have to win. And with these rounds, it's, you're, you're more or less points racing. Um, you know, you're not, you, you don't technically have to go out and win. You just need to get solid finishes. Yes, it's good to win in the first race and the first round. That way you can blow up the other two races and not have to worry about anything. But, yeah, I think if uh, he gets to Homestead, I'm not saying he will, and I'm a fan, and I'm not 100% confident that he is going to get to Homestead, but I, I feel like Kurt has helped that team a lot. Kurt had a fast car, darling, and he was flying. Um, he, he could get past, and he'd pass you right back. Um, so I think the whole team as a whole, just not, and the ones had speed all year. Um, I think the 42 is a little bit lackluster, and I think we all can agree on that. But um, that whole team has found something with Chevy. Um, they found speed. And I think if he can get to Homestead, um, he has a damn good shot. And, um, and that's all you just got to do is knock off these good finishes, and um, we'll see where he ends up when it uh, comes playoff time. Yeah, you talked about uh, Kurt Busch really doing a great job, and he had a fast car again on Sunday. And that race really changed to me on lap 76 when he had a big accident with Daniel Hemrick blowing mm-hmm. a right rear tire, tried to get on the pit road, and couldn't. And, and it really took out a lot of contenders. Now, Michael McDowell was in that race. McDowell was a, lap, a couple of laps down, but was in that wreck as well. But you also had Jimmy Johnson, who Jimmy Johnson was running in the top ten. I uh, had a really strong night going. Same really thing with Morgan Byron. He had a really good night going. Uh, Den, uh, Denny Hamill was one of the three-race favorites and was, was there lurking. And, of course, Kurt Busch, who led a lot of laps in that race, uh, now, Kirk came back and finished seventh. He led 94 laps, but his his chances at winning that race, I think, were significantly hampered by that accident on lap 276. So, to me, that completely changed this race. And what it really did was change Jimmy Johnson. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was, and I talked about this yesterday on FrontStress.com, Jimmy Johnson um, was having a strong day. If he finished eighth and Daniel Suarez finished 13th, let's say Suarez being two spots, which is logical, when you look at what happened with Hamlin and Jimmy Johnson and William Byron all finishing behind him, uh, Jimmy would be, I think, four points back right now of Daniel Suarez. He's now 18 points back. It was a major, major turning point for Jimmy Johnson, and it's probably going to be the reason why he um, is outside these playoffs. Because, listen, I, I think I came on here a couple of weeks ago, and if I didn't, uh, I certainly felt this way. I will admit it. I thought Jimmy was going to be, have to be a winner or he's done. There was, I thought there was no way he was going to make the playoffs on his point standings. But he went out there, and he was fast. I mean, he wasn't the fastest car, but he was the third or second fastest car he finished stage two second. Stage uh, two, he finished – or stage one, he finished second. Stage three, he finished in seventh. And those were a lot of bonus points. Those were a lot of extra points he got on there. So uh, Jimmy was a very, very fast race car, and – you know, it just makes you sit there and wonder if maybe Chevrolet is starting to catch up because we really didn't see a whole lot of action, a whole lot of leading laps for the Ford Brigade, Philip. 
I mean, Brian Kozlowski was up there. He led 19 laps. He finished fifth. Kevin Harvick finished fourth. Good Border was sixth. And Border needed a good run, and he got one. Suarez was 11th, but it just seemed and, and Paul Menard in ninth, which was one of his best runs of the year. Um, but the Ford camp, we really haven't seen sort of take this season by the range yet. It's making me a little concerned as a Ford fan. You know, I know Toyota's a step in the right direction, but maybe Chevrolet's starting to close the gap here a little bit too. Ryan Blaney struggled a lot on, on Sunday night. Uh, he qualified decently, went strong early, and faded bad. Joe Logano wasn't very good either. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole four brigade there, Philip? and uh, what you saw from the Chevrolet camp? I mean, the fact is I, for many, for as long as you and I have been watching, I mean, I've been a little bit longer than you, but I always remember Chevy being the dominant figure. Uh, it's been since 15 when they started making adjusting rules and all that stuff that Toyota's kind of had this thing going on. But Chevy, for the first time, I swore that whole entire night, Spencer mentioned about Kurt, you know, Byron puts it on pole. Larson was there. It's one of his best racetracks. Jimmy Johnson looked as good as he has in basically in two years in one of his throwbacks to his uh, trophy truck. I mean, I'm like, I'm. it's like I swore it was a rewind to like 2007 or a rewind to back, you know, what is what I've been used to for all these years or Chevy had all the best cars and Brad had a car that was good for 15 laps, and by the end of after that, it was garbage. He somehow or another got a fifth-place finish out of it. As a defending race winner, I remember the last – during this, you know, throwback weekend, that two-car has generally been really good in this race. He should have won it the first year of the throwback. He won it last year when Larson's pit crew gave it up. The reality was he wasn't a factor. Kevin Harvick is – this is one of his better racetracks because it's an enduro weren't really a factor and Ford in general is behind and Chevy is picking up and now it's a real, you know, it's a real test. I think Harvick in terms of all the Fords, it's Harvick and you can't because with him and Rodney, they're going to figure out a way. I was saying this way back when they were struggling earlier in the year, the way this whole thing works you just have to get there. And once you get there, if he can get to Homestead, he's only been able to close once. But I kind of feel like he's on this, you know, deal where he wants to prove that he can get to that second championship. A lot of these guys want that second title. You know, Danny wants his first. But after that, the Ford, I mean, the Penske team is in trouble right now. Brad hasn't really performed all that great ever since winning at Kansas. You know, Joey Logano at one point was very close to, to Kyle Busch in terms of the regular season title. And then in the last, I think, two months, is the bottom fell out on him. And then Blaney has not been good all year. Uh, they, he's been, you know, him and Eric Almirola are basically in the same boat. Almirola finished fifth in points last year, and he was one of the best cars all year. This year they haven't been a factor. And Ryan Blaney has not been a factor all year. And I was thinking yeah, about it, how Eric I, Jones has won his second race, and Ryan Blaney has been in the Cup Series for, what is it, uh, one year longer than him and in terms of full-time competition. But he has more race starts, of course, because of, you know, running the limited 
races for the twenty for the Wood Brothers, and now they have the same number of wins. And I'm like, this is crazy. I don't, I don't. <laughs> it, and and you have to wonder what what Penske and what they're gonna do, because this time last year Penske was going starting a heater with Brad to win three races in a row, and then Joey was starting to get momentum. Blaney goes and wins the Roval. It that energy isn't there right now. I mean, granted, Paul Menard somehow or another got a top ten, but the energy isn't there, and it's going to be a problem for Ford to get someone into that final four as it's standing. Yeah, it, it is, and and you talked about on the roll, and he was to me the most alarming one. Now I know he had an issue where he was in his backup car and he had to go to the rear of the field, but. You know, we saw um, Kyle Busch, the same thing. Kyle was in the rear of the field because he changed his engine. He was able to slice his way through the field in the first part of that race. Like, like the other cars were standing still. It was unbelievable. He led 118 laps. Um, it was unbelievable to watch Kyle Busch slice his way through the field. Number one just couldn't do it. He was like a 20th to 25th place car all yeah, night long. He ended up that, yeah. 17th. It was just, it was shocking. You know, watching a, a driver who normally performs very, very well. And Stuart Haas, aside from Kevin Harvick, has not had it. I mean, we talked about Amarola last year. I know he only had four top fives last year. He's only got one this year right now. He's 14th right now. Uh, he's dropped from ninth uh, to 14th in the last few races. And he hasn't really – he hasn't had a top five finish um, since Phoenix. And, and that's alarming. You know, when you when you think about it that way. So, um, that was his only top five of the year. He is, he's only had two top ten finishes, three top ten finishes since Dover. Um, so, it's really been a struggle for Eric Amarola and Johnny Klausmeyer and those guys on the Stuart Haas. You know, I think they're, they're locked into the playoffs with only two spots open. So, they'll be okay. But I think the whole Stuart Haas and really the whole four camp is, start, is scratching their heads. And they got to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what do we have to do? Maybe it's just new body. Uh, maybe they just haven't caught up with, um, you know, what, we, what we're used to seeing. They just haven't caught up to this new package yet, like Chevrolet and Toyota have. Toyota, to me, is, is the front runner. I mean, it, it, the uptick in, in Matthew Benedetto's performance over the last uh, eight to ten weeks has been really unbelievable. Um, you know, and they can say what they want. Well, you know, they, they kind of put on a good show that, well, you know, we've, we've clicked, we've clicked. That's fine, but I, there's no doubt in my mind they're getting a little bit more support from Joe Gibbs Racing later in the year and trying to sell that 95 to either Christopher Bell or partners that are going to be with Christopher Bell. And it was hard to sell them when they were 25th in points. Uh, now Steve Benedetto is 20, 22nd in points, and he's going to work his way up to the top 20. There's no doubt in my mind if things keep going to where they're going. So, um, you know, we can talk about his future and all that, but, I mean, that, that's kind of like beating a dead horse at this point. But, um it's really been something to watch these Toyotas because it seems like every week there's three, there's only five of them in the field and three or four of them are in the top ten or in the top five by the end of the race. So uh, it's something else to really watch, um, to watch Toyota really perform and, and do what they need to do and, uh, and win some races. Another solid run, guys, for Chris, for, for Chris Buescher. Uh, he, I think, has 14 consecutive top 20 finishes for that 37 car. Uh, really an unbelievable run for him. Um you know, and a tough day for Chase Elliott as well. He finished 19th. Um, what else sticks out from you, Spencer? Is there anybody else that you kind of look at and say uh, that caught your eye there from Darlington? 
in the Cup Series race? Yeah, there was a few guys that had a decent run. Paul Menard had a decent run. Um, I mean, he kind of showed up there at the end and got ninth. Um, and then Truex is the most alarming. I mean, he he sucked all night, really. He, you never saw him up there battling for the lead. Or um, And they mentioned it. And a lot of – honestly, they didn't even show him on TV a lot. Um, so, I mean, he – I mean, it's Truex. You know, that's a good team over there. And it, it's not it's not going to affect him. Um, you know, he's locked in the playoffs, obviously. And once the playoffs started, you know, basically everything starts over. So, he just had kind of have a bad night. Logano was eh. Um, and you mentioned Blaney. He kind of he stunk all night too. So, and there were some bigger names down way down in the field that um, qualified good, and they just never got the finishes that they need. But uh, most of the guys who did that are already locked into the playoffs anyways. And um, Jimmy Johnson, I think, is going to ruin his streak of making the playoffs, and he won't make it here this year in 2019. Let's talk about that, guys, because it is you know. It's hard to believe this season's gone so fast. I mean, I can't, it's it's hard to believe we're here where we are right now with just one race to go here um, before we get to the playoffs in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Um, and look at the points. Really, everybody's pretty much locked in except for the final two spots, and it's really four drivers battling, as far as points are concerned, battling for those two spots. Now, we've seen this race kind of have some, some weird winners. Uh, Bernard, we talked about, he won on a few miles a few years back. Uh, also, you had Case Gateway a couple of years ago, kind of out of nowhere, when that team was struggling. So it's not it's not impossible for a team like maybe Matthew Benedetto or uh, Chris Buescher or Paul Menard or somebody like that to sort of steal a win. Austin Dillon, maybe, who's been known to kind of steal wins in big-time races, um, to steal a win and make these playoffs. But right now, for all intents and purposes, um, right now we, we look at it and there's four, there's two spots open for four drivers. Uh, Clint Boyer, 15th in the standings. He had a really good night. That sixth-place finish at Darlington was, was exactly what the doctor ordered for Clint Boyer. He was really struggling. They were bleeding bad, and, and he stopped the bleeding, had a really good run. Uh, and he's right now to the good by eight points over Daniel Suarez and Ryan Newman, who are, who are tied exactly at 617 points on the year for Ryan Newman and Daniel Suarez. It's going to be a battle to watch that. And then you have Jimmy Johnson, 18 points back, who, again, if he didn't have that accident and finished in the top 10, it would have been a, a completely different day for Jimmy, a completely different day going into Indianapolis for Jimmy Johnson. He probably would have been single digits back, but now he's 18 points back. Uh, and I guess what I'm, what I'm asking here, Spencer, I'll start with you and we'll get to Philip's opinion. You talked about Jimmy Johnson. You think he's going to miss. Is there any way in your mind, I mean, you know, to me, what he has to do is hope that Newman and, and Suarez have a bad day at Indianapolis, which is possible. Rosh isn't great there. We've talked about the struggles of Stuart Haas. Um, but he's got to get some stage points. He's got to qualify up front. He has to have almost the perfect weekend, in my opinion, to make these playoffs. Do you think that's a fair assumption? Yeah, I, I feel like you can, you don't want to go into a race it's, you know, hoping that other guys have troubles. That's never a good situation. And uh, I, mean, I think we can all agree there. And I mean, at least I wouldn't want to go in going, oh, I hope he hits the wall, and that's the only way. Because that's not, you know, look at Newman at Phoenix. He had to put Larson to the wall just to make it. And um, so, I mean, it literally comes down to just one point. It's um, Newman, he's he's so aggressive, and he, he's so – he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, he's real smart inside the race car. And 
Um, he's not one of them guys that go out and dominate, but he, he's a good guy to have in your race car, and he's going to get everything out of it. Um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, Suarez said he likes Indy. Um, he said he's, he enjoys the racetrack. So, I mean, he's not with a terrible team. He's with Stuart Haas, but obviously the Fords have struggled. So, and I just don't – the 48 has not pro- – is not looking promising. I mean, and it's been like that for two years. Um, I don't know. It's just, I feel like the 88 will find speed one weekend and, and uh, the whole other three cars chase and Byron have speed and the 48 is just lagging and won't have speed. Um, Michigan, it looked like he had a good car up front, but it's just, they have a good race and they just fall right back down. They're not, they're not being consistent. They're not really finding speed. And, um, it's pretty sad when the seven-time champion is probably the worst performer out of HMS, honestly. You got Bowman with a win, Byron's winning poles, and he's running up front, and Chase has wins. So um, I, I think it's it's, it's going to have to be a perfect day for him. He's going to have to finish top three in the stages to get as many stage points as possible, and he's pretty much going to have to win the race, I think, because Newman, unless those guys go out and wreck early, um, it's going to be really tough for him to get 18 points. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And Phil talked about it earlier. We're going to have to see sort of vintage Jimmy Johnson. And Indianapolis is not one of his best racetracks. I know he's won there three different times, but uh, or four different times, excuse me. But as far as consistency is concerned, he hasn't really been consistent. He's won or he's really struggled. He had finished second he's there the uh, in 2013 and third in 2016. But, you know, he's had some accidents. He really hasn't been great in Indianapolis as far as consistency is concerned especially lately, you know, for the last five races, he's finished outside the top ten. Um, and so it's been a, a tough time for him in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, that to me is more of a, you know, I don't really care about his wins here because it's such a different package. And the way Hendricks performed recently, um, to me his wins are sort of irrelevant here, as, as, as sad as that's concerned. We know we know he's going around Indianapolis, but it's just such a completely different racetrack and a completely different package, I should say, than what Jimmy Johnson was was used to, and, and really, it's a completely different race team than what Jimmy Johnson had five, ten years ago um, where he was dominating this sport. So, it's going to be a tough time for him. Daniel Suarez, uh, he, he's right now 16th in the standings. Like I said, he's tied with Ryan Newman uh, at 617 points. Uh, but, you know, he likes Indianapolis. Spencer talked about that before. Um, you know, he's still looking for that first career win in the Cup Series, Uh but he, he seventh at Indianapolis, he finished there the first time he went there in 2017 uh, in the Cup Series. So he, he's got a top ten there. He's done pretty well. Um, but, you know, this is a driver who really needs to, to step up and perform. Um, a third there in the Xfinity Series as well. Uh, and then you have Ryan Newman, who's a veteran. He's won there in Indianapolis, or run really good there in Indianapolis in the past. Um, and then, of course, I think Boyer pretty much is locked in now. He's, he, he can't – what Boyer really has to do, I think, is run, his, run a smart race in Indianapolis. He can't wreck early. I think if he if he's, you know gets to the stage points and runs in the top ten, doesn't put himself into crazy positions, which in Indianapolis I think he's very capable of doing, um, I think he'll be all right. But, you know, if he wrecks early in that race for whatever reason, you know, before stage one or stage two, and uh, he can't get back out there and lose a significant amount of time. It's really anybody's game. But that's Boyer's uh, – to me, that's, I, I know you say, well, that's kind of conservative, but that's how he has to run to me, I think. I think he's, he's decent enough in points where he can make it. Um, but what are your thoughts on this whole playoff situation, Philip? Um, you know, as far as Flores, who, who do you think is going to make it? Are, are, are those four, or do you think maybe somebody else 
can sort of pull up a, a miracle win and knock one of the other drivers who are on the bubble out and really throw this whole playoff bubble for a loop. What are your thoughts? Well, you talk about Chris Buescher and his one cup win was at Pocono and the way JTG Doherty uh, kind of has angled themselves. The way with strategy and things, you know, that would be the wild card. Stenhouse lost out on his opportunity. Uh, Benedetto, I think Bristol was his best chance, but the Toyotas have performed ever since 2015. Uh, the Toyotas have been the dominant cars at at Indianapolis, mainly Kyle Busch. Uh, so, I mean, there is the possibility of a Hail Mary like Jeremy Mayfield many years ago at Richmond to go and get into the uh, chase. Uh, but I doubt that'll be the case. I figure that these four guys will be able to battle it out. Clint Boyer got a reprieve in that Johnson got involved in that wreck because Johnson was in, and it was a very tight battle between those four drivers. Suarez and Newman got into it, and Newman got all butthurt. I don't, based on the replay I saw, it wasn't a whole lot. If there was contact, it wasn't a whole lot. But, I mean, if Ryan Newman's going to go run over Daniel Suarez at, at Indianapolis, that eliminates Suarez. But it means that Newman's going to be a one-and-donner anyways because Suarez is going to take him out at Las Vegas or, or at the Roval or pick whichever race because he's going to have a target on his back because he has no neck. And the fact that, I mean, in the end, Boyer, I don't believe, is one of the 16 best. I mean, it shows that they should cut this down to 12 because the fact that we're talking about these guys at all is is a joke because none of them really are going to do anything in this playoff. Uh, I mean, th- this is bad. I, it shows that Stuart Oss isn't great because Al Marola is also trying to crap, him, crap himself and knock himself out, but he did so well earlier in the year that he gave himself a cushion. Uh, But I think at the end of the day, Newman will make it in because Indianapolis is one of his best racetracks. And I'm going to say Daniel Suarez is going to go and be number 16. He'll make his first playoff appearance. Uh, Clint Boyer will have something happen because uh, him, him and Bugga and that old thing, it's never really worked. It, I mean, it worked for a little while last year, but it just hasn't worked. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, we need to kind of move on. And uh, Jimmy Johnson, I would love to take the Hail Mary. I'd love to see the odds that he has for Sunday's race. I might bet it because he has won there four times. He's trying to go and tie Jeff for the winningest driver at Indianapolis. Uh, I mean, granted, the 2008 race was a joke, but um, I don't, I mean, the way he ran at Darlington made me really think of the old Jimmy Johnson. And now all of a sudden he's motivated and he cares all of a sudden, who knows? Maybe he pulls one out of his ass just like Casey Kane and, as it did a couple of years ago and, and gets into the playoffs. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be Suarez and it's going to be 
uh, Newman, and uh, they'll be able to battle each other in the Lucha Libre match later during yeah, the playoffs. I think Boyer's going to be able to, to hang on, um, and Ryan Newman's going to be able to get in. I think Suarez and Jimmy Johnson are going to be on the, on the outside looking in. And, and let, let me tell you something. If Jimmy finished in the top ten at Darlington and, and was – like I said, you know, in single digits and points, I, I put my money on Jimmy Johnson right now because I just love what that team did at Darlington. But, you know, sometimes you have to get lucky to win this. Uh, and it just, you know, I know it sounds stupid to a point, but, you know, Jimmy doesn't even have that, that you know, everybody used to talk about Jimmy having that quote-unquote golden horseshoe. That was golden the big thing about Jimmy Johnson where it just seemed like everything that happened to that 48 car was good. Um, and, you know, but you sort of create your own luck that way, and when you run that good, you have a lot of speed. Um, but to me, it just seems like that Golden Horseshoe has been gone for that 48 in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I'm sure Jimmy has a lot of – the good thing is they have they had speed, they have some confidence, and they have some speed, um, but it's really to watch that back in the field. And you're right, it is kind of sad that we're looking at these drivers who really struggled for most of this year, and we're talking about them right for a championship. But there's certainly some drama there, and it's like, and I keep harping on it. Jimmy finished in the top ten, and and did what he was supposed to do, and I think he was very capable of doing that. Doesn't get involved in that wreck. Uh, it would have been edge of your seat, edge of your seat. You would have been watching on the edge of your seat because it would have been fascinating to watch um, what Jimmy Johnson would have done here at Indianapolis. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero is the number to call here tonight on Talking in Circles. If you want to discuss anything from Darlington, uh, anything from the Cup Series race, or the NASCAR Xfinity Series race, which is where we head to next. Uh, it was the Sports Clips Haircuts VFW 200 from Darlington Raceway. Cole Custer was awarded the victory, even though technically, look at it, he led zero laps. It was Tyler Reddick in second, Ryan Blaney third, Christopher Bell fourth, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. running his lone standalone event in the fifth spot. But the race is really about Denny Hamlin. Uh, came from the rear of the field. Uh, did a great job, was fast, and, and won, went to victory lane, but had really failed on the front end and the back end of the race car there at the Xfinity Series race at Darlington. Um, I think, the if I got it right, the front end was too low, the back end was too high, uh, and Danny was was disqualified from the event. You also had Chase Briscoe in sixth, and Brandon Jones, Noah Gregson, Justin Allgaier, and Austin Sindrick rounding out the top ten there at Darlington Raceway. Um not much to say. It was a it was a decent race at times. Ryan Blaney had a really good car. Uh, he took the pole and led. Um, but you know that I think this this package here, what we see in the Xfinity Series, really fits more Ryan Blaney's style than what we see in the Cup Series. Uh, but what were your thoughts, uh, Spencer, on the NASCAR Xfinity Series race? Certainly, there was a lot of buzz around Dale Earnhardt Jr. going out there. At the moment when he got out of his race car, he finished in sixth, which was a decent day. He ended up finishing in fifth due to uh, him get disqualified. But what were your thoughts on the whole event from the Xfinity Series race at Darlington? Yeah, first off, it was nice to uh, see Dale come back, as you know. Uh, I'm a big Dale fan, and I've taken crap from you ever since I've known you. You always pick on me. But, no, it was nice um, seeing uh, Dale come back, um, you know, with the crowd cheering. Um, and, if, you know, if you guys haven't noticed and met Dale in person, he's He's a lot better person than what he was. His attitude has changed, and, um, you know, that's side the point. But he's he's such a better person now. He's so open to his fans. He cares about his fans, and he really did it back in the day. So, um, 
you know, he has a family now and he's able to come out and run a race um, every year. And that's cool to see. It's good for the sport. Um, and he had a good day. He stayed around sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, kind of all day. Didn't have, didn't have the car to win. He didn't lead any laps, but it was nice to uh, see him come out and uh, put on a good show. Um, hell of a paint scheme. The paint scheme was nice. But, yeah, it was, um, you know, Denny Hamlin, he had a really fast car. Um, I believe he led 27 laps. Um, and, you know, NASCAR's not playing. Your car doesn't match up to the books. You're disqualified, and you finish dead last. So um, it's good for Cole Custer. Um, he said that's definitely not the way he wants to win. But, uh, I mean, it's a trophy on his uh, mantle and uh, points and the money and whatever comes along with it, and um, that's good for the playoffs. So, you know, he's definitely a Final Four contendent um, at Homestead, Miami. Um you know, and definitely deserves a cup ride. And then, you know, you had another big four, Reddick, right there behind him, um, another guy in fourth. So, um, decent race. Um, it's kind of hard to really pass. This is more or less of a – Yeah, it was, it was certainly a, a, a decent race there. You know, I think when you look at it from, from the standpoint of, of the, you know, like you said, the big three in the Xfinity Series, they, they finished in the top four. Uh, you know, obviously at the cup guy and the cup guys there mixed in the middle with uh, Hamlin and then finishing first technically, but then getting disqualified. And then you had uh, Ryan Blaney there in third. But really it was all other than that, the big three. And then you had Junior who you sort of look at as, as a cup driver because he's had so much experience in the cup series, even though he's no longer a cup driver. And then you had the rest of the experience regular six on back. So that's kind of funny how that looks like, you know, Darlington's a, a driver's racetrack. It's a, it's a racetrack that um, it's a throwback racetrack, especially in the Xfinity Series, where you have that sort of that old school package, um, and uh, you know you have really have to to drive it through one and, and two and drive it through three and four as well. So uh, certainly a, a a good race for Cole Custer and um, and Denny Hamlin. You know we we haven't really discussed the playoffs um, in this series in forever. There's really no point. You know we know the top the twelve that are going to get in there. Uh, and you know we can go on nauseam and talk about how it should be in the top ten, but even that, if, even if it was tenth right now, we would probably know who was in uh, because Brandon Jones is about uh, he's fourteen points back, so he didn't have a shot at a, a John Howard Nemechek right now in tenth. But that's it. You know Haley um, is uh, way ahead of John Hunter Nemechek from that standpoint, so it'd really be a battle between John Hunter Nemechek and Brandon Jones. Teague wouldn't be able to get in, although I think he's sort of tailored his season. Um, with knowing he was into the playoffs and he's going to give – I'm dying to see how that, how that team runs in the playoffs because I think he's really picked it up here. He's going to really pick it up here with better race cars and, and really tailor his uh, funding to go towards the playoffs uh, in this NASCAR Xfinity Series. So both of the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series goes to Indianapolis this weekend. We'll just dive into that race a little bit more tomorrow on Talking in Circles a little bit more. Um, but, you know – Indianapolis is a, is a racetrack that it hasn't been great since 2008, since that tire debacle. We really haven't seen a, a sort of showstopper there um, at Indianapolis. So uh, really what you have to watch is, is see how these drivers can play. Can, strategy is going to be a big part of it and how these drivers and teams who are outside of playoffs sort of pull themselves in here, especially on the Cup Series side on Sunday. 907-889-8280. Kind of want to discuss something else, guys, that caught my attention this week. Um, well, two things that caught my attention, and we'll probably dive into the, the second one tomorrow. Uh, we just don't have enough time here tonight. But uh, the first thing was that today NBC Sports came out and talked about maybe throwback weekend moving to a different racetrack. Now, I'm 
call me whatever you want to call me. I, I don't believe the coincidence is too much. I don't sit there and go, mm. you know, obviously silly season is a completely different story because you have so many people who think they know what they're talking about but don't. But that's aside from the point. But when you see a, a credible source or somebody who's got a big name come out and sort of throw something out there, I don't think it comes from nowhere. It usually comes from something they've been hearing, something that, that maybe NASCAR sort of said, hey, go out there and make make sure that – and this is what I truly believe sometimes happens. I'm sorry. You can say, oh, come on, this is what I believe happens. They'll sit there and they'll say, hey, we're going to do this. Just so, you know, give it to their guy who knows what to do with it. And what I mean by that is sort of sit there and go, this might sound like a bad – and initial reaction could be bad, but here are three reasons on why it's a good thing. Here are the three reasons why – Moving throwback weekend, which is what we're talk, what I'm talking about here, might be a good thing. Now, I don't know if they did that in the article today, but I truly believe that's part of what they do. They send it out to their radio hosts, too, who I believe sit there and go, okay, how can I spin this to make the and, – and a couple of weeks before it's announced, and then all of a sudden it's announced, and everybody's sitting there going, oh, we won't get the backlash that we get if we just announce it. That's what I truly believe. But anyway, uh, getting off topic here. Throwback Weekend is, has been at Darlington. I think it's been about five or six years now. It's been at Darlington. Um, and Darlington Raceway is a great racetrack. We all know the history behind that place. They've been running there since 1951. Um, it's one of the most unique tracks on a circuit. Uh, the Southern 500 is one of the best events in the in the whole sport, in the whole country. Um, but it's a playoff race next year. So I think there's some speculation. And I saw this when I originally saw Darlington uh, in the playoffs. I sat there and said, ooh, that's going to be an interesting throwback weekend in the playoffs. And it got me thinking, and I'll start with you, Philip. Um, but it got me thinking about sponsorship. And listen, you, you saw all the cars this weekend at Darlington. You know, for example, you talked about Jimmy Johnson's Ally Chevrolet. It didn't look anything like an Ally Chevrolet. It looked like Jimmy Johnson's old uh, truck that he used to drive. And brand recognition is a big thing with these companies. They they put a lot of thought and effort into these paint schemes. Um, and really, you know, you look at the Ally paint scheme, it's crazy. It says it seems like it says Ally all over the race car. Um, but they put a lot of thought and effort into in these paint schemes for a reason because they want you, when you look at that car, when you look at the driver, when you look at them all together to sit there and go, oh, that's Ally, Budweiser, uh, or Anheuser-Busch, that's Kyle Busch's M&M's. They put a lot of thought and efforts into these paint schemes, and to me, a playoff race, these sponsors aren't going to be too willing to play ball with these throwback paint schemes. They're not going to be sitting there going, sure, we'll give Jimmy Johnson the, the, the you know, availability to change his paint scheme. Sure, we'll give, uh, you know, uh, the Corey LaJoy some, you know, Corey LaJoy is a little different story because he's a bad guy in the playoffs, but you get my drift to where they sit there and go, we're going to completely change the look of our race car and sponsorship for one reason. And it's the playoffs where all eyeballs are going to be on the races, or eyeballs you would think would be on the races. Um, and maybe even talk, team owners, which I, I'm not sure how this works, but I would assume team owners charge more sponsorship money for those 10 races if they're in the playoffs than they would if they're not in the playoffs because of the fact that it's the playoffs, because of the fact that it's going to get more recognition. So with that last being said, all that in mind, uh, do you think, Philip, that, that NASCAR will make this change, or do you think it's something that I'm sort of looking into that really has no legs to it? What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, I've i read what you're talking about and what you're thinking, and 
the reality is I, I love Darlington and I have, and the, the reality is they tried to kill Darlington, you know, NASCAR, the Daytona Beach Mafia, freaking ISC, all of them. They tried to kill it. And they, Kerry Tharp worked for NASCAR and then he went and took over the PR at Darlington. He's one of the best people in the sport. And they have so much great energy there. And this weekend, that weekend that we had just there is one of the best weekends of the year. On the one hand, I'm glad it's in the playoffs. But on the other hand, I'm kind of sad because the reality is, you know, I, I like what where they were. You know, I like what this was. Because there's so much good energy, even though the race may have not been great. Neither race might have been, you know, all that interesting. There's so many good vibes and there's so much good stuff. It's one week a year where NASCAR can make up for the fact that they can't help themselves. You know, it's one week a year where they can cover themselves. Um, If they're going to Daytona and the Hurricane 400 and they're going to run throwback schemes and half the cars are going to get wrecked, I don't get that. I don't think that that's a good idea. Um, but it looks like that might be the thing, uh, based on what you're talking about. Uh, I mean, but I mean, it's like they keep on messing with these traditions and they really don't want these older racetracks. They want to make Texas and Kansas and all these horrible, useless, you know, third-rate racetracks. I mean, the point is, Indianapolis is separate. Is The point is, they jumped the shark before 2008. 2008 was just over the top, and that was just the end of it. There's no reason to be there. If they're going to run there, go and run at IRP. And if you're not going to run at IRP, run at Iowa, run run at Irwindale, or run at this place or that place. There's there's probably 50 tracks they could run that are better than freaking Indianapolis Motor Speedway for a stock car. There's no point of running that race. And and the reality okay. is, I mean, I was I'm biased. The point is, my favorite driver got to win there twice, and then my current favorite driver won there last year. Even if he hadn't won there, I wouldn't care. It, it the point is, Indianapolis is a horrendous racetrack for stock cars. There's a reason why the Indianapolis 500 is what it is, and it was until 2000 the the split. But it's about IndyCar racing. It's about, and to a lesser extent, you could talk about sports car racing using the road course and whatever. That's fine. Right. Stock cars running there is a joke. Go and run it. Go and run it at freaking Lucas Oil Race IRP, and put on a decent race. Run a triple header. Give the trucks another race at a decent racetrack instead of them having 17 months between races like they have for some of this. And and go and run at a racetrack where they always put on a decent show, you know. And Xfinity wow. always, from the beginning of their their existence, put on a decent show. Sorry. Yeah, they were awesome. And you know? IFP was awesome for sure. But um, yeah, you know, this throwback weekend, I totally. First of all, when I originally read this, I thought I said, okay, you know, this kind of makes me sit there and, and confirm what I was thinking because I thought when I again when I saw the playoffs, I went, ooh. And what really made me go, ooh, when I saw the schedule for next year was where Daytona was placed because I felt like there was no reason to change Daytona because I love the July 4th weekend. I, I, it, dry, it still drives me crazy they're going to move that. And um, But what 
makes Daytona an interesting topic, and you brought it up here. Um, but what makes Daytona an interesting thing was Chip Willie, who is now the president at Daytona. It used to be Joey Chitwood. Now it's Chip Willie. Was the president at Darlington Raceway and sort of created this sort of quote-unquote throwback weekend um, when he was the president at Darlington Raceway. And I'm sure you know, that, was, that really, I think, is part of the reason – it's not the reason why he got promoted at Daytona and that to Daytona where he took over probably the biggest moneymaker that ISC has because of what he did at Darlington. So it made me sit there and go, when I saw Daytona move, I went, ooh, I wonder if they're going to move Throwback Weekend there because that was sort of Chip Willie's baby. And I'm sure he'll put saying, I want Throwback Weekend. I want Throwback Weekend. I want Throwback Weekend. And it's to me. Um, and Spencer, I know you live in Daytona, and I have a house. You have a house down there as well. I go to the Daytona 500 every year. I love it. It, it, it does hold a special place in my heart. But to me, if you wanted to sort of quote unquote change Throwback Weekend and move it, there's really only one other option to do it. And I don't know how Philip feels about this, uh, but when we were kids growing up, I know this. This was a fact. The All Star Race was was the race that had a lot of different paint schemes. Now it's sort of lost its charm because everybody has a different paint scheme every week. But, you know, remember Earnhardt had the silver car, he had the Wings car, he had the Bass Pro Shops car, he had all these tons of different race cars when he went to the All-Star Race. It was sort of a thing that everybody did. Daryl Waltrip, I think, had a silver chrome car one time or chrome numbers or something like that. Um, so to me, if you wanted to move throwback weekend and, and really t- I, where I think fans would accept it and be okay with it, the All-Star Race is Charlotte. Do it there if you want. If you don't want to charge these teams, you know, if teams are looking at it going, oh, we, we're not sure the sponsors are going to play ball, and that to me is the biggest problem. I'm not sure these sponsors are going to play ball. I think it might have throwback weekend might have died if they don't might die if they don't move it. I really believe that, and and that just naturally because Darlington moves into the playoffs. But Spencer, what are your thoughts about Daytona getting throwback weekend? I mean, uh, it's certainly a historic sort of racetrack. It's it's the racetrack we go to. Uh, you know, for our Super Bowl, uh, I've been kind of kicking around in my brain thinking, well, you know, we can sort of bring in some cool paint schemes from past Daytona 500. Maybe like the Derek Cope 10 paint scheme uh, that he wanted Daytona 500 with. Um, so what are your thoughts on, on Daytona possibly getting throwback weekend? Yeah, I know, as you mentioned, me and you, we always go to the races every year, and Daytona is such a historic um, racetrack, um, you know, it's every time you walk into that place, you get that feeling. And you know what the feeling is, Philip. I don't know if you've ever come to Daytona. If you have, you probably know the feeling too. It's just something about that racetrack. It's so, you really get the vibes, the old NASCAR vibes, the history. Um, you know, names are made there. I mean, it's, it's it, that's the type of place it is. But I don't know if it's because I'm so used um, to it being at Darlington. I feel like throwback weekend fits better on a short track um i don't know that's just me i feel like coming to daytona with throwbacks um i don't know i just i really don't have an explanation to why i won't want it to come to daytona i just and it'd be cool you know i'd go i go to the july race every year um it would be cool to see uh different paint schemes but i feel like the throwback is more of the short track beating and banging back when all them guys used to do back when racing was racing and nobody you know what uh cries about getting hit too hard 
Um, I just feel like it has that short track feel. Um, I love it at Darlington. Darlington's a tough racetrack. Um, the all-star race would be cool to have it at just because it's not, it's a fun uh, event. And you mentioned the whole sponsored money type deal. I, I, you know, I don't know, you know, what it costs to sponsor a car in the playoffs or whatnot. I don't know if there's, uh, I'm sure there's a contract, but whether it's in the uh, playoffs or not, if that's an additional money, if that car makes the playoff, whoever you're sponsoring. Right. So, um, Charlotte would be cool, you know, to do it. You know, the sponsors do a fun deal um, with the throwback. It's a short race, um, no points. It's just trophy and money. Um, but I feel like it has to stick to a short track. Um, well, I don't know. I, I Darlington just fits it. It really does. It does. And Darlington, what, what I think the short track is you feel closer to the cars. You feel closer to the people. You feel closer to everything at a short track because it's it's a short track. You know, when you go to Martinsville, the first time I ever walked into Martinsville, I thought about it compared to Daytona where I go every year. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. It's like just such a small facility. And uh, it was it was, awesome. it was awesome. I loved the race. I mean, the racing there is great, but it was just so tiny compared to Daytona. Um, so it would be kind of weird, but, you know, I honestly think and, – and call me maybe somebody who now, – now you can call me sort of a sucker or – uh, buying into NASCAR's thing here, but I do think Throwback Weekend could die if it stays at Darlington in the playoffs. I really do. So maybe they'll try and run with it for a year and throw it to Daytona. But to me, Philip, and again, I don't know how you feel about this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think the All-Star Race would be a better change. If it were to go away from Darlington, I think the All-Star Race would be would be tremendous. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the way, and you guys have mentioned it already, the way it used to be was these one-off schemes would be during the Charlotte All-Star Race. And honestly, the All-Star Race has lost a lot of luster because they keep on changing the formats. They change what the package is. They, they've messed with it. It, it. it used to be simple. Easy to understand, $200,000 to the winner or 100000 whatever the heck it was. You know, old Durrell going and talking about Krusty going and winning, two, choking on $200,000 and all that. It would be nice. You know, you keep it at home. You go and have the most people, all the teams there. There would be a lot more uh, value and I would go one further and say go and run it the Friday night before the 600, and you'd get an even better crowd for the for the All Star race, and run throwback, run a throwback deal, because you're gonna at the end of the day the 600 you're gonna run the patriotic schemes, go and run a throwback during the All Star race, and 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 make it a real you know make it really a good, full on event and make that Charlotte and Speed Week real. You know, put the trucks on, on Thursday, Cup, All-Star Race on Friday, Xfinity Saturday, and you have – that's a – I'd sign up for that. I'd drive, I'd drive from New Jersey to go for five, for five six days and, and go and visit shops and do all that stuff and do that. It, it would make sense. Um, you know, if you're going to keep – a throwback weekend it has to go to a classic racetrack and there's very few that fit that bill it would be daytona it would have to be 
Darlington or Martinsville or I mean there's very few tracks left because of what they've done to the sport. I it if they if if they went to Nashville Fairgrounds in twenty twenty one, I don't think that's gonna be the case, but if they were somehow or another on some Hail Mary, that'd be the perfect place. Mm-hmm. If you run the four twenty again and you run a throwback weekend at freaking Nashville Fairgrounds, you're you're talking about full crowd, great weekend, triple header, it, it would sell out. Uh, but, I mean, as it stands with what we have, I think uh, it's either they're going to run it during the, the cutoff at Daytona or they're going to run it at the All-Star Race. And if it runs at the All-Star Race, it's okay. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's just kicking some stuff around. It's nothing official yet, but I do think there is something in the works where there's smoke, there's fire with this stuff. I really believe that. And, uh, there's some, certainly some smoke out there. So, um, we'll see, you know, we'll see in the coming weeks of what NASCAR announces if they announce anything as far as throwback weekend is concerned. Uh, but you know, Darling, it, it would be a shame because you talked about it, Philip earlier and here's why I feel bad. Darling's in a full crowd this week. Um, and you talked about it earlier when they tried to kill that, that place. It was the crime of the century when they moved that place from Southern 500. That was on, on Labor Day weekend. That was the the single most one of the most, single most dumb things they've ever done in the sport, period. And, and the sport's done it's been around a long, long time, and that probably is up there in the top three. Um, and they tried to kill Darling pretty much. And it survived, and it survived to, be, to have a full crowd this weekend. Um, and we'll see. <laughs> now, a playoff race is a good thing, uh, especially in the first playoff race. So it's not totally destroying what we what we saw, but um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Darlington gets to keep the throwback weekend and it thrives. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight. We'll be back here again soon, uh, most likely tomorrow night, and uh, we'll be previewing Indianapolis. We also have something else I want to discuss quick. Uh, well, I want to discuss tomorrow which is uh, what Dale Jarrett made comments on NBC earlier in the week about NASCAR lifting the ban of four-car limits. We'll dive into that because I was certainly, I remember where I read it, and I was, to say I was heated was an understatement. Um, So I was very, very annoyed by what he said, um, and we'll dive into that tomorrow, as well as other topics, all the news that might come out tomorrow as well. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles. Uh, Spencer, please stay safe down there. He's in, he's in Daytona Beach, Florida, and that hurricane is coming. So uh, we hope he stays safe down there. And it's all for you as well. Um, we'll see you next time tonight on Talking Circles. Good night.